Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic healthcare ministry to provide an affordable health sharing solution rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.com. That's mycatholichealthcare.com. CMF Curo, healthcare fully alive. What are you doing this Lent? The St. Paul Center is streaming their newest video Bible study for free starting Ash Wednesday. Based on Scott Hahn's renowned covenantal theology, this is a study no one should miss. Invite your friends, Catholic or not. Don't miss your chance to see this premium study for free. Go to stpaulcenter.com to sign up today. Welcome to the Champions Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rubin and Coach Phil. The podcast where we share stories of faith being activated through sports. Welcome to episode number two of the Champions Podcast. Alongside Coach Phil Albert, I'm Mike Rubin, and we are so excited you have joined us. Coach, how you doing? Well, man, it's terrific. Mike, so good to be with you. Excited about what God's doing uh, with the podcast. Absolutely. Me too. I'm so excited to jump into this first episode. We have the privilege of having as our first guest, former Oklahoma Sooner and current Washington Redskin punter, Tressway. But coach, there's another aspect to Tress that I found out while doing some pre-show research, and that's he's a board game inventor. But you can't rush to Amazon to buy it because coach, it's sold out. How about that? Wow, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You know, those kickers and punters, they got so much time on their hands (laughs) that they just find ways or just look for ways to invent things. (laughs) You know, so they're not doing that normal uh, practice schedule like everybody else, but uh, they got a lot of time on their hands. And so, uh, and it's good that the Lord is used stressed to maybe make something that many people can uh, take advantage of. Absolutely. Well, we had the opportunity to talk to Tress a little bit before hitting the record button today. And man, he's a great guy with a huge heart for the Lord. And I really think his story is going to resonate with a lot of people. A couple interesting facts that I found out while doing some research before our podcast was he is not the tallest person in his house. He has a brother who is 6'10", who played for the Kansas City Royals organization, also did some punting of his own. This year, Tress led the NFL with 41 punts down inside the 20-yard line. And coach, as a former football coach, you'll appreciate this, zero touchbacks. That's incredible. You know, the that's the whole idea. You know, sometimes punters, in their mind, they want to lead the league in net. And so, or they want to lead the league in average, you know, but net is the ticket. And so if you were punting, let's say, from midfield and you punted down inside the 10-yard line or 12-yard line, you know, your net might not be that great uh, or your average might not be that great. See, but the net is what it's all about. And uh, so I could appreciate that. And, I, you know, again, you know, you, you, the, the field position determines oftentimes the outcome of the game. And that punting inside the 20-yard line is uh, just an amazing, uh, you know, part of the game. Absolutely. And there was nobody better this year than Tress. And so we're excited for you to hear our podcast. And so we're going to jump right in it. Here's our interview with Tress Way. Tress, welcome. We're so glad to have you. I'm not willing to say this officially, but I believe we're the first podcast out there that has a punter as their first guest. How about that, Tress? Man, it it is an absolute honor. I can tell you that much. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Tress, we really believe that God's going to use your testimony and your story to touch the hearts and lives of our listeners. And so if you're okay with it, we're going to open the podcast up in prayer. So, Coach, will you lead us in a prayer? It be my pleasure. Let's just pray together. The Bible teaches us that if two or more would agree as touching anything here on earth, that he, our Father, which is in heaven, would bring it to pass. 
So, God, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for Tress's family. We thank you, Father, for who he is in Christ and who he represents on the Washington Redskins, God. We thank you for his testimony and what about to take place now. And we trust, Lord, that all we say and do will honor you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Tress, so before we dive into the interview, I just got to tell you, um, we, we I did hit the record button, but I, I want all of our listeners to hear this. So uh, last night, my wife and I are on a date, and we find ourselves after the date sitting in the car and doing some research on you, just trying to learn some more about you. And we came across your engagement video with you and your wife, Brianna. And look, man, oh, man. I just have to say, well done. If, if our listeners haven't heard it or haven't seen it, which I'm sure a lot haven't, I highly recommend it's worth a watch. We're sitting in the car watching it. And at each spot where uh, people were praying over your wife, my allergies really started kicking in, and a frog jumped It'll in my. Do that. Yeah, a frog jumped in my throat. Do that. Here I am in the car on a date with my wife, watching this video, and we're both getting emotional. What I'm getting at is this, Tess. My daughter's four, and if her future husband ever listens to this podcast, I want him to know that the bar's been set. Expectations are high, man. Anything less than what Tress did. It's unacceptable, you know, and I really feel bad. The two guys that took your wife around, I feel I really hope they were already engaged because if not, man, they had huge shoes to fill. Amen. Amen. <laughs> they, they did. They did. They did an awesome job. Those are two of my very best friends. They were great. You know, I, I got a lot of awesome feedback from that video, obviously. But what was so cool was, um, man, I just really included everybody in, in our lives that has touched our lives and, and that obviously uh, love Bree and love myself and that we love dearly. And uh, they made it special. I kind of laid out this br- blueprint of what I wanted to look like. And uh, the rest of that, every time they got to meet some of our folks at uh, each of the different spots, that was all that was all impromptu. Too. That was what they had on their hearts and the prayers and things like that. So it was it was really great. I'm I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. Absolutely. And so for a lot of our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, just go to Google, type in Tressway engagement video, and I I promise you you will not be disappointed. So <laughs> Tress, we're going to jump right into the interview. And so my, my first question is, just give us a little background. I mean, has faith always been the center of your life? Did you grow up in, in a house that went to church? Just kind of fill us in. Yeah, so I, I grew up, uh, I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, so thankful for the family that I grew up in. My mom and dad were incredible, and church was always a part of our lives. And uh, But my little brother and I, um, at a pretty young age, we started excelling in sports, and um, and with that, it, it was a lot of traveling. Um, you know, I would say the majority of, of the weekends throughout the year, we were always out of town or in a tournament or doing something. And so um, we we didn't always go to church on Sundays, uh, but that is why I have such a big heart for Fellowship of Christian Athletes is because uh, if I was gone – five weekends in a row uh, on Sundays in St. Louis or Wichita or in Texas or something like that. Uh, every Tuesday morning at seven o'clock, uh, we could be in the science, uh, one of our science teachers rooms and uh, our FCA chaplain for, for our high school and uh, coaches and athletes and people would come in and share about uh, their relationship with Christ. And, th- and that's how I learned to live my life. That's how I learned about God's love. And um, I would say, I would say my senior year of high school, I prayed to receive Christ at 12 years old, but I never really had a, uh, never really had a relationship. I never, I never really involved God in my life and turned my life over to him to see, um, see what he wanted for my life. If that makes sense. It was just, God was kind of a part of my life instead of my life being a part of God's plan. And so, um, I would say my senior year of high school, one of my very best friends from growing up that made every wrong decision possible. Uh, I actually got to, uh, pray with him to, uh, pray with him to receive Christ six hours before, uh, he passed away. Uh, after a, a terrible car accident due to drugs and alcohol and like all this stuff and uh, seeing God's grace uh, work in that moment whenever I was 18 years old uh, that, that uh, a best friend of mine that I knew and loved so dearly and we had lost touch after a while obviously just kind of grew apart but a, a kid that just made every wrong decision possible and obviously it, it ended up to his life being cut short but seeing him seeing God um, come in and, and him being saved six hours before he passed away, that, 
that became a grace and a love that I, I wanted to involve in my life and try. And, and I try and tell people when I speak that, that I want my biggest struggle in life to try and, and, and to be comprehending God's grace and God's love for us. And I think that if we were to live that way, where our biggest struggle and our biggest objective is to continuously try and wrap our mind around just how incredible this love and this grace is that we get from the Lord, then, uh, you know, things will, things will fall into place. Like it says in Matthew. So, uh, that, that was kind of my upbringing up through, you know, as a kid and into high school and ultimately, uh, laid a foundation that, um, I try and base every life decision around. I know everybody's not perfect, but now being a dad and, and being a husband for five years, I, I know that our marriage and our, our life is in check whenever I keep God first. That's awesome, Tress, and, and I appreciate you giving us that insight. Now, I want to go back to that moment where you said uh, you were talking about your friend that you were able to you know, pray and help lead to salvation. But that that's such a critical moment right there in somebody's journey. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's one of those crossroads where you can either begin to really doubt and question God and wonder why – uh, or, or you can, you know, or it draws you closer to him and you become more dependent on him. So can you just kind of talk right. about how that, you know, because you kind of made it sound like that was kind of when your faith became real, you know, um, can you just kind of talk about how you navigated those emotions and yeah, what was it like going through that? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing I remember, thing I remember the most guys was, uh, being in that hotel or, or the hospital room and seeing everybody crying and seeing everybody scared. And then it became very real to me. You know, I was an 18 year old happy go lucky kid. Uh, and here I was with one of my best friends that I, I just knew just like, like I said, just had made every wrong decision possible and, uh, and was getting close to his time on earth here being done. Uh, and man, honestly, to be perfectly blunt with y'all, hell became very real to me. It, it was, uh, I had a friend that was, I had a friend that was moments away and, and I, I became scared. Uh, and it's really crazy that all that came over me and all that came in my mind was, Oh my gosh. Like I've never prayed with somebody to receive Christ. I have prayed to receive Christ. I've seen a lot of my friends and I've, you know, seen the altar calls and things like that. And I, I don't know, I I don't know what's about to happen here with Kyle. And so, uh, in that moment, there was this very real, uh, and raw kind of fear that, that overtook me. And it wasn't until, you know, years later when I'm looking back at that powerful moment that it was, you know, now, you know, being a dad and, and, and a husband of five years and, and just kind of, you know, like you guys have, you just have life experiences and you look back at that moment and that in the, that, that childlike raw, real faith. Now I look back and I see kind of, you know, you know, 10 years later now looking back of just how real God's grace was in that moment. And there's, and I'm so thankful for that moment. And whenever I, I go speak, you know, I, I don't ever share that story to try and scare people uh, out of, Oh, you know, Hey, if you're drinking or if you're doing drugs, like, look, your life's going to be cut short. I share that story more to say, who gives a flip what's been going on? Like God's grace is real and he wants to change your life. And he changed mine through a friend. So whatever you got going on, if you accept his grace and you involve him in your life, how much more so is it going to affect your life when you're accepting that grace? And that's, I mean, that's why whenever I speak, I'm like, that's, I want to try and continue to wrap my head around that grace every morning. Uh, Cause I know if I seek him first and everything's going to line up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you had mentioned the importance of FCA, especially in high school. What would you say, you know, I I know a lot of kids that uh, for whatever it is, whether it's too early in the morning or they just there's an FCA presence at their school. But for whatever reason, they just aren't involved in it. You know, what would you kind of if you had the opportunity to sit down and talk to them and just really share, hey, this is how it was so valuable. what, What would you tell them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, uh, the biggest thing for me was so cool about FCA is that it, it can go, you know, quote unquote, legally, um, you know, where church uh, really isn't allowed to in public schools where, uh, now granted, I, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, so I, I had teachers, uh, you know, telling us each week that they're praying for us and, you know, we'd run into them at church and things like that. And uh, our high school football coaches ran the FC huddle, FCA huddle, so I was raised around seeing my coaches praying for me and things like that. Uh, but, but what I absolutely love about it is, um, is that it 
isn't church. You have to, you have to be involved in your church and you need to go get spiritually fed, you know, with your family and in your neighborhood and in your church. But it gives you an opportunity of this incredibly tight knit, almost, you know, Christian fellowship group that you get to meet with once a week. And, um, you know, five out of the seven guys that were in my wedding were guys that invited me to FCA whenever I was a kid. And so it's, you know, this, this group of friendship and this thing in common and this, um, I I always called it the good temptation. So it was my, my temptation and my, uh, you know, like tugs throughout life. And, and as a young man and through high school, I always had my best friends that were not dipping into that stuff that, you know, you shouldn't be dipping into. So you always had this temptation to continue to do the right thing because man, this is what your best buds are doing. You guys pray for each other. You guys love on one another. And it ultimately led us to having an awesome high school experience. And I met my wife through FCA at the university of Oklahoma. And so it is really easy for me to be very bias towards FCA and what it means to me in my life. Praise God. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. You you had mentioned how you were able to see a lot of your coaches at church and stuff like that. The podcast is our podcast is geared towards the student athletes, whether high school or college and coaches. So obviously only at the college level, do you truly get to choose the coach that you go to play for? And so there's a chance that a lot of our student athletes that are listening have played under coaches that aren't believers, you know? And so have you had that experience? And if so, what's that like? And how do you navigate your faith um, while you may not be receiving Christ-like, you know, you may not be getting uh, Christ-like love on the other end. Like how, how is it navigating playing for somebody like that? Yeah, and and granted, I'm a I'm a very I'm a very competitive guy, uh, and so I never did it to look down upon somebody else or you know like coaches that weren't believers, you know, through college and through the NFL and stuff like that. But um, my you know my mom was always big on talking to my brothers and I about controlling what you can control, uh, and you know you see that all in in the gospel of you know God calls us to be a certain way, and we can't control what other people are going to do around us. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control when we're hooked up with Christ and watch him work in our lives in every single season and in every single opportunity and every single piece of adversity. And then ultimately, my dad had a, a cool thing that he always said, whether it was a girl I was dating, a coach I was playing for, is to always make sure they remember when they coached Trustway And the attitude that I had, the character that I brought forth, and that was ultimately, um, you know, if my identity is in Christ and the people that are li- uh, listening to the podcast, if they claim that their identity is is in Christ, then everything should follow suit with that. That What kind of player are you going to be? What kind of friend are you going to be? What kind of student are you going to be? And like I said, nobody is perfect. I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and talk to you guys like I'm perfect and I have it all figured out. But I am 28 years old and I have seen what it looks like whenever I don't have my identity in Christ, when I don't have Christ first in every aspect of my life. And then I've seen what it looks like when I do. And I have no desire to consciously make the decision to make sure that God is not a priority in each of the main areas of my life. Because when you experience those coaches, teachers, friends, whatever it is, then you get to control what you get to control. And so that is, I took pride in that. I, that was competitive for me. That was, uh, it was fun in my prayer life. It was fun, fun in my, my quiet time and what I was reading and trying to apply it uh, to every single one um, of my areas in life. And man, I still do. I, I have one Bible plan on the Version Bible app that I constantly repeat. I just repeat over and over again while also doing other plans. And it just gets my mind right. And man, take pride in that. Get competitive about it. And just be, when you lay your head down at night, just just pray that, that God continues to show you the man or gal that he wants you to be. That's great. That's so good, Tress. That's so good. Tress, obviously, Oklahoma football is huge. I I was doing some research, and I saw that a high school in Oklahoma or in the Tulsa area earlier this year just did a $22 million expansion on their football field, football stadium. And so, obviously, football is huge there. It's huge at the University of Oklahoma. How did you navigate? You had mentioned your best friends were, were believers and stuff like that, but the reality is, is, Student athletes who are listening to this, they're faced with the temptation to go to parties. They're faced with all this temptation, that peer pressure. How how did you navigate that? What would you speak into the lives of you know high school kids right now that are you know they they're teetering the line of wanting to be cool and accepted, but also those convictions of their faith? 
Yeah, you know, the thing The thing with me, guys, was, um, and, and like I said, it, it stems from that moment I had with Kyle in the hospital, but that when I continue to read God's Word, when I continue to dive uh, into my quiet time and the plans that I'm reading in the Bible, is that I, I just... I view God's word as this giant love letter of how much God loves us and how he wants us to love other people. Uh, and so for me, I, I was always a guy that went to the parties and I was quote unquote, the life of the party. I did not drink. I did not smoke. I did not fool around with girls, but I was always, we were throwing parties at our house. We didn't have any drinking or anything going on like that. And so we were, me and my buddies, we, we just, showed everybody how easy it was to have a good time without the alcohol, without the girls, with, you know, like the quote unquote temptations and things like that in life. And the temptations are there, but it's all about what you bring, you know, pun intended, what you bring to the party. And so um, I was always uh, throughout college, you know, a couple of my buddies, I, I would be like the designated driver if they were, if they were drinking a little bit, I was younger than a lot of my friends. And so uh, I wasn't 21, but maybe if they were 21 and things like that but uh for me it was it was you know like if i if i want my life to um to resemble christ and i'm going and hanging out with my friends and i'm going to the parties what what is that going to look like you know what is it what's it like to just sit there and talk with people and, and enjoy time with one another and they see that you're there without not drinking or smoking or fooling around with girls and so that that was always something i took pride in as well is um it, I just think that, that the concept concept of grace really gets lost and there may be, you know, there's some condemning that comes along from time to time. And my, my take, my take on it is if, you know, the, the first one who are you, who's without sin, you throw the first stone. And so I, I was always, uh, I was always very inclusive. I was always around, but I was never partaking if that makes sense. And so um, I would just encourage those guys or those girls that are listening that, um, man, even every situation, every situation that you're in, man, how can you look uh, more like Christ to eventually win people uh, to Christ and show them that love and that grace that you've accepted into your life? Oh, man, I'll tell you, Tress, you know, as a football coach, and, you know, I, I came to Christ through FCA uh, way back in 1975. And, you know, coming to Christ uh, really was a thing that enabled me to be the husband you know, the father, the coach that God called me to be. Now, I could resonate with a number of things that you've talked about. You know, I'd tell my children, uh, and they played competitively in college. Uh, my daughters played lacrosse. Uh, my son played basketball. You know, you can't control what other people do. You can't control what they do, how they behave, but you can right. control what you do. And that's, that's, right. a, that's always been a huge theme in our family from the time, uh, you know, I came to Christ. Uh, so, and, and also... You know, we had guys on our football team who were Christians, came to chapel every week. I remember one guy distinctly reminds me of you. Uh, Gary Rubling was his name. Uh, he wasn't a Bible thumper. He wasn't carrying his Bible. You know, went to the parties, did everything like you talked about, engaged with the players. And at the end of the year, you know, where you probably experienced this as well, we would have uh, our players at the uh, exit interviews, you know, they would give, you know, on a three-by-five card – Give me three personal goals for next year and, and three football goals for next year. About a half a dozen guys or more would write on there, I want to have the kind of influence on the rest of the team next year that Gary Rubling's had on me. And this wasn't Not cool. Yeah. And see that wasn't and that wasn't a guy, like I said, he wasn't preaching the gospel. He was just there for them. He was at the party. He wasn't drinking, but he was the designated driver, or he was the guy when they came in, maybe uh, not feeling real well, took care of. And to this day, I just I just uh, uh, went to a breakfast a couple of weeks ago with a bunch. Now these guys are now are 50, 55, 45, 47, whatever. And there's probably around 20 of them who've given their heart to Christ as a result of Gary Rubling's influence. Wow. So you know, I, just, wow. I appreciate your testimony. And uh, thank you. So we can't isolate ourselves as believers. And Jesus wouldn't have isolated right. himself. He would have got in. He would have exactly. went in the market and. Uh, he wouldn't have drank, he wouldn't have caroused, but he would have been an example of how to live. So I appreciate right. your testimony, partner. Uh, thank you very much, Coach. I appreciate it. 
So you've named some people. I mean, you named your FCA huddle coach in high school. You named in college, and you named um, just your, your your high school coach. But I, I think mentors and role models. You know, we can't do this alone. We were never called to do this alone, and there need to be people in our lives who maybe are a little more spiritually mature that speak into our lives and that we can turn to. Who were those people for you? Yeah, for me, um, whenever I got to whenever I got to University of Oklahoma. Um, I knew being a Sooner in the state of Oklahoma, um, I had always had a passion to speak. I started speaking in, uh, in high school. And so I knew that being at the University of Oklahoma, I was really going to get to, um, you know, sort of speak, speak at will, um, you know, as a OU football player to go speak at youth groups or churches or FCAs. And so our FCA uh, sponsor in, uh, in college, um, who was a staff member for um, Oklahoma FCA, really took me under his wing and showed me how to mold to different groups and, um, you know, which stories to share, how to, how to take what God's speaking into my life with a scripture and interpret it to, and share it with different crowds and different, uh, you know, condense it and, you know, things like that. Uh, and, and he has turned into to one of my very best friends and still to this day, uh, the man that I call when I'm at a crossroads, when I'm, I'm in desperate need of some prayer, when I just want to talk things out. Uh, and that, that has been something that I, I can only pray and hope that I'll, I'll get to do even halfway of what he has uh, done for me. He was the, the gentleman that married uh, Brianna and I, and also in that video that you mentioned, the engagement video, where I got down on one knee, that was in his game room. So that they're, they're pretty close uh, in our lives. And, and it's just been something where I look to him with that wisdom. He has, uh, he's a guy that's been following Christ since, uh, you know, he was in his early twenties and just, I, I respect his outlook on life because I want my outlook to be on life. And I want God involved in my life. Like he has done years longer than I have. And so that, that's somebody that I continuously, uh, search out. And I also have an, an incredible amount of accountability, uh, friends, guys that uh, on a moment's notice I could call on and they could pray for my wife and I, I'd be praying for them and their significant others, uh, that just those best friends that we've had since FCA. And I think, like you said, uh, we're never meant to go through this alone. And I think it's so cool to have a balance of both the, the people that you can seek out for wisdom and advice and just kind of bend their ear on some things. And then just, just your dudes, just your, your folks that you can call at a moment's notice and that are there with you for the good the bad, the prayer, the celebrations, whatever it may be. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you've been a captain in college. I believe at Oklahoma you were a captain, correct? Yes. Okay, and you were a captain uh, a couple of years ago on the Redskins. And obviously those are, are most of those are voted on by your teammates. So, you know, kind of going back to Coach's thing uh, about Gary, what does it mean when, you're, when your teammates view you as a leader? What, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, a lot like what Coach was just saying. Um, I, I'm so thankful for the the athletic career that I, that I've gotten to uh, have, that I've been uh, fortunate to have, and the the different accolades and the awards. Um, as God is my witness, the rest of my life, what I will be most proud of was uh, my my last two years in college, being voted team captain by my teammates, and then my second year in the NFL. Uh, we have a incredible special teams captain, uh, and he uh, injured himself in the preseason. And, uh, and if you're injured in the NFL, you can't be voted as a team captain. And so the guys voted me as team captain that year just to be viewed that way by guys that I respect and guys that I love. I, it, it, you know, a lot like what Coach was talking about, about that, that buddy, his Gary, I, I, I've heard more is caught than taught. And, I, and I, don't, I don't walk around throwing Christ on people. I don't walk around – uh, constantly, you know, cornering them and trying to make the conversation about it or, or whatever, make people, people feel uncomfortable, but people are very clear. People understand very clearly what is most important to me. People understand why the way I live my life, the way I do. And I think because of that, much like coach was talking about, I've had so many conversations down in the cafeteria with my teammates that guys want to hear about, um, why I live life the way that I do or why why, why does my marriage look the way that it does? Why, why does my attitude and general outlook on life look the way that it does? And so I, I, 
I have seen from personal testimony that more is caught than taught. And so if some people are catching what I'm throwing around just by the way I'm living my life, I know, one, that I'm hooked up with Christ the way that I'm supposed to be. And two, it is so fun to pray for those individuals and then watch God come through after laying the seed and just see it grow. So uh, that, that is the biggest thing I would say in regards to that. Well, I couldn't agree more, and you keep saying more is caught than taught, and I truly hope our listeners are catching what you're throwing because um, I, 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 I think that um, you know student-athletes, whether it's high school or college, I'm a firm believer that they have the greatest platform in their school system. You know, typically they're the yeah. most dominant leaders. That you know, we look at a school right. system now that's darker today than it's ever been before. And I believe, with every right. fiber of my being, that the change agents, the potential change agents, are those student athletes, and especially those student athletes that are are, are are followers of Christ. And so, if they can use that platform that they have to be change agents, man, they can turn dark hallways into light. But that takes a lot of confidence in their faith and a Absolutely. lot of courage to step out and say, hey, we're going to be different, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I could jump in there and say you today the platforms are being used many times. Professional athletes, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, they're using their platform, uh, you know, for maybe things that we don't agree with. So we have to pray right. for those young, uh, you know, and support that FCA group and build some confidence into uh, those student athletes who – have come to Christ because they do have a platform. And when given the choice, when all things are going wrong, yeah, people want to know, why does your marriage look the way it does? Why does your job look the way it does? Why are you the way you are? And then we have an opportunity if we have that, if we, you know, take, uh, just take it and uh, have the confidence to share Christ. So we need to continue to pray for FCA and all those who are coming to huddles uh, weekly and pray for coaches. That's where, from my perspective, we get the coach saved, a whole lot of things change because everybody will listen to the coach. Uh, That's it. Yeah, well, and, you know, a lot of people can look at you and they can say, oh, he's an NFL player. He, you know, he, he's got an awesome marriage, beautiful kids. You know, it's easy to be uh, – it's easy to have the outlook he has when, you know, when you have everything. And, you know, they can look at your stats this year, no touchbacks. And, you know, you, you led the league in punts uh, in, down inside the 20. I mean, the success was there, but the reality is that you were an undrafted free agent out of college. Your first two years, yeah. you were signed by the Bears and then cut. You know, so yeah. the success by the world's view wasn't always there. Having been a stud in high school, having been a stud in college, now these years you're released – what did that do to impact your faith? Yeah, you know the uh, the thing the thing with that before I before I get into that impact in my faith, I just want to address you know people um, look at like you said this guy plays in the NFL or uh, you know his wife his kids hey, everything's you know awesome. Um, our our pastor here in Oklahoma said something incredible a few years ago that that my wife and I uh, have prayed to really that God would engrave on our hearts and it's that people often compare their reality with other people's highlights and so whenever you look around and you see what people have going on in their life or all the crap on social media or like check out the new house the new car the the family whatever it is you're just catching the highlights and you often compare your reality to their highlights and it's just not fair for your life. It's not fair for your family. And God calls us to be happy and joyful for what we have in the moment. And uh, and so that was just one thing I wanted to address with that. That is something that my wife and I, we constantly try and apply to our lives. Uh, but, but the biggest thing uh, that I've seen with my journey um, when you're talking about how, how it has been with my faith and, um, you know, rock, like getting really rocky with my NFL career. What am I going to do now? We're married and I just got cut. Um, you know, we had, we had some really, some really dark times and some tough times with a couple of miscarriages trying to get pregnant that were just heartbreaking. And now we've got these two beautiful twins and it is not until it is not until after we have trusted God when it is so hard and things seem like they're so out of our control. Uh, it's not until 
after we trust him that we realize how he comes through. It's never in the moment that you see, oh, man, I'm going to trust God. This is going to be easy, and then we're going to look back, and it's going to be great. It is in those moments where you feel like life is breaking you down, and it should just bring you right to your knees so that you could immediately put God first and pray and call out to him. Uh, I have seen that in my life, through my career, through my family, uh, through my life, that whenever I get down on my knees and I put God first and whenever it is in those moments, you know, it's a common misconception that people say, Hey, God's never going to give you more than you can handle that. That is not said anywhere in the Bible. It says that God will, God, God will never tempt you more than you can bear. But I fully believe from what I have seen in my life that God has given me more than I can handle because in those moments I went to a deeper relationship in my relationship with Christ than I would have if I hadn't gone through those moments. And so I don't wish those moments on anyone. I pray that I can understand what God wants for my life without going through any more of those moments in my life. But I do know that those moments take place so that God can show you just how much he wants to be involved in your life and what he can do when you trust him with it. Wow, that's great. That's great, Tress. You know, I think in my own personal life, you know, my wife and I have been married 52 years. We have uh, eight grandkids and three great-grandkids. And when we look back, you see, it's it's always, the growth always takes place in the valley. It's in those yeah. times when, you know, things aren't going well. People don't see all the heartbreak or uh, the disappointments, but you, 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 you know, and I would say this to you and you probably have already learned that when you're going through some Valley, be sure and uh, think about who do you listen to? Who do you talk to? You've already told us you have a, a great mentor. So that's terrific. And, and also you're always going to run to your wife and she's always going to run to you. And, Absolutely. and we're going to grow closer together. We're going to overcome these uh, obstacles and, uh, and just, uh, just rely on God's grace uh, but that's so good. You know, one of the things off that topic, you know, Mike had mentioned your, uh, you know, your punts inside the 20. You know, we were just, uh, before we got on air with you, we were uh, talking about that. And I was telling him, you know, as a coach, again, I coached Sean Landette. I don't know if you remember that name. Sean oh, yeah. is an outstanding punter for a lot of years in the league. And, um, you know, Sean was big on for probably the first, even when he played for me, he was big on average. And I'm trying to get the net, you know. I'm trying to say, you know, That's right. get that thing inside the 10, 50, and he's pounding it from That's the 50-yard right. line. He's pounding it, you know, out of the end zone. You know, it's a 25, you know, whatever net. But yeah, uh, so it's impressive. Uh, and I'm sure today, you know, I worked for the Chargers for seven years. So it's, I know they probably had uh, uh, some incentives there. But uh, back in the day, they didn't have those incentives for, uh, you know, punting inside the 20. But that's impressive. That's, right. that's impressive that uh, – you have all those punts inside the 20, and I know uh, the uh, defense appreciates it. No, definitely, definitely. That was <laughs> That's my thing is I step on the field and I give the ball to the other team, so nobody's really pumped that I'm out there. So I figured the least I could do is try and give it to them as deep as possible. <laughs> that's great. That was one of the questions I had for you. I heard in an interview you said about how nobody's really excited when you come onto the field. What's that like? I mean, is that's that right. just kind of a mentality that you've embraced? or what? You know, I, I'm sure you say that somewhat in just, but somewhat in reality because you are giving the ball to the other team. But what is that like? And yeah, just walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest thing, and like like I've mentioned to you guys a couple of times, I'm really competitive. So, you know, it's it's third down and six, we throw an incompletion. And, of course, every time on third down and six, and, you know, if you're, if you're at home and you throw an incompletion on third down, everybody, ah, you know, one of those. So if I can come out and do a 50-yard net or put a ball on the five-yard line, it immediately puts a positive spin and gets some momentum going when our defense steps out on the field. And so it doesn't work that way every time. I've, you know, I've shanked my fair share of punts, but that is my goal. I want to step out there and I want to affect the game just because when everybody's a little bit bummed, that gives me an opportunity to capitalize. And that's why it's really kind of cool. So everybody's really bummed that, oh, we had an incompletion on third down and then I dropped one on the three-yard line. And now we're back. All right, sweet. We got something great going. So that's that's the that's the kind of the clean slate that I look at it is I get a chance to kind of start something, uh, you know, for the defense, get the momentum going a little bit. And so it's uh, I always joke around about that, but it, it's funny because it's true. It's like, oh, man, we got a punt. So, man, I might as well pin them deep. So there you go. man. That's great. That's great. 
Now, I, I, I've seen some video of, you know, I've watched some Redskins games this year. Um, you, you've got a very energetic special teams uh, group, and, and it seems when they down them in there, man, those guys get fired up, and they know how to celebrate down in a punt inside the five, you know? So what's that like, just having guys that, that also bring the energy with you and don't, don't view being on the special teams as, oh, I'm relegated to special teams, you know what I mean? But take it with pride and... and yeah, that's uh, you know, that's something that really uh, stemmed from our, our special teams coach in training camp. He and I, uh, you know, at the end of at the end of the 2017 season, uh, you know, I just had kind of a middle of the pack year, and he just looked at me and he said, "Trust with your talent and your ability, um, you you should be higher." And just kind of gassed me up, and um, you know, really kind of pushed me and threw it in my face. And uh, of course, I got pretty frustrated. And then I started thinking about it the next couple of weeks, the first few weeks of off season. I thought, man, you know what, coach is right. Like I've just kind of been, I've just kind of been doing good enough instead of really pushing myself to be a lead or be uh, trying get to that next level and we had a group of special teams uh players that he demanded that from this year and that we tried to do and that we tried to bring to the table uh and it was just really cool through the good and the bad of the season that we uh as a punt team we continued to be a bit of a bright spot and uh set a couple franchise records and so it was um it, not one guy did it. It was really cool to see just how much, you know, this team game, but how every individual person within that punt team that we each did our job uh, and tried to do it as best as possible and beat the guy across from you. And it led to a pretty special year. And, I, and I'm very thankful. I don't, you know, I don't think the rest of my career I'll ever forget uh, the 2018 season and my fifth year in the league. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, we've talked a lot about your wife on the show. And, Coach, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tress's wife, Brianna, she played soccer at Oklahoma as well, I believe, as softball. Is that correct, Tress? Oh, yeah. She definitely claims softball more than soccer because Oklahoma softball is a pretty big deal. <laughs> so uh, on air, so all of America can hear, uh, who is the better athlete? So I'll put it to you guys this way. My <laughs> wife... My wife played two sports in college. I did not. My wife was first team all conference. I was not. My wife was an all American. I was not. My wife was a national champion. I was not. And my wife was drafted. Uh, I was an undrafted free agent. So I think anytime you stack up those, you know, odds, I would say it's pretty clear that I'm the better athlete. So I'll just leave it at that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Now, now, one thing a, a lot of people might not know is that you do have a lot of hobbies outside of, of, of football. And, and one of those is um, you are a board game inventor. And I have seen a clip. I have seen a clip of this board game in action. And I got to tell you, Trash, you, you were talking about competitive. My wife is one of the most competitive people when it comes to board games. And I am so ready for Amazon to get a restock of the board game. What, I know. What's your bid? Trash, how did all of this start? Yeah, so, you know, all your listeners are probably thinking, there it is. This punter was starting to sound pretty normal and pretty cool, and there's the nerd coming out. There it is right there. There's, we're back. We're back. So, uh, with, uh, it started, it started in training camp, and, uh, coach, uh, I had a college football question that I went around. I just asked a bunch of people, and I would keep track of how many they got wrong until they named all 10 answers. And it became, everybody wanted to know how one another was doing, and, uh, and so when I got done asking our head coach, uh, Coach Gruden said, well, Trust, do you have any more? And I said, no, but so the good thing about being a punter, you guys have all these long meetings and watch all this film. I don't have to, so I'll go up. I'll come up with some more questions. So I got a, I got a spiral notebook that they keep for our players uh, to uh, take notes and, and uh, meetings with, uh, and I started writing down multiple answer trivia questions. Uh, and so I got home from training camp. I told my wife about it, and I gave her a couple of the questions, and she said, see, that's she goes, that's what I don't like about trivia is it's always sports it's always movies it's always history and i said you know what that i said you're exactly right babe i'm gonna come up with a trivia game where i'm a, i'm gonna be so particular about what questions i put in there that everybody is gonna know one or two or maybe more answers but it's gonna be really really hard to get all of the answers i'm gonna shape it in a way where like my older brother whoever had my older brother in the trivia games growing up that team was gonna win i'm gonna shape it in a way where you can't just have one juggernaut to win it all which is where we got the multiple answers from when you're on a team like if you and your wife are on the same team and there's four answers to the question you know three of them but your wife only knows one you're at liberty of only going off 
off of that. And so that's, that's something that added to it to make it fun. And then the other side was giving the other team a shot at the remaining answers on the question. That's where the bidding came in. And uh, like in spades, if you bid a certain amount and you don't get it, you get punished by that amount going to the other team. And uh, we started just playing around with it with all these different categories from food to movies to geography and, you know, all these all these different things that I look up and I'm like, man, people really like this. I started sending out shoe boxes, shoe box prototypes to people. And one thing led to another and we sold out of our first uh, 1500 games. And now I'm working on a whole new slew of questions of a what's your bid 2.0 and maybe changing a couple of the categories and really making this thing a, a top end party trivia game. That's absolutely amazing. We're going to have a link to it in in our show notes to it on Amazon but like like Tress said it's sold out right now so you're going to have to wait for version 2.0 but I know the Ruben household we are we're fired up for this you know Tress Heck when, yeah man it'll be a good time when uh, when Mike mentioned he said you know the Tress is a board game inventor so what do you think of that I said well he and the kicker have a lot of time on their hands so <laughs> that's it that's it coach <laughs> and we laughed I said hey they got a lot of time they, you, you know they're there all day with everybody else they're working at their trade. There's no question about that. They're working at their craft, but they're not. They got a lot of time on their hands. That's absolutely right. That it makes makes for coming up with pretty good trivia games. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, now we're going to head to a segment called Eli Wants to Know. Tress, we're going to put my seven-year-old son, Eli, on here. He's going to has, ask you a hard-hitting question that I'm sure all of America wants to know. You think you're up for it? I think I'm up for it. I'll give it a shot. All right. Hey, Tress, it's Eli. Hey, Eli, what's up, buddy? Why are you a punter? I am a punter because in fifth grade, I was the only kid in school that could punt the soccer ball up on top of the school in recess. And I realized at a very early age that God gave me a gift to put some power into a ball. And as I continued to play football, I learned more and more that I could work hard and be a great punter. And I continued to work hard, and that's why I ended up doing it for the Washington Redskins. That's good. Awesome job. Thank you, man. Awesome job, Eli, and thanks, Tress, for answering that. We have one last segment before we let you go, Tress, and it's called Three and Out. It's a segment where we we carry from show to show, asking the same three questions to all of our guests. It's more lighthearted questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. But, uh, Tress, the first question in our Three and Out segment is, what is the last book that you read? The last book that I read is a book that I would recommend to everybody that I encounter that enjoys reading, and it is called The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, and it is an incredible, uh, especially for, for Christian men, it is an incredible um, tool and an incredible insight on uh, how to focus on one particular thing in each of the main areas of your life. Uh, and, and for me, it's changed my spiritual walk, my marriage, my relationship with friends, myself as a father. Uh, and so the one thing by Gary Keller would be the one I would recommend. Awesome. I've never read it, but it's now on the, uh, on the must-read list. There you go. Our second question is, you're on a road trip. What are you listening to? I am listening to one of two things. I am listening to some 90s country music, the good stuff with George Strait and Alan Jackson and Joe Diffie. I am a Oklahoma boy at heart. Or I am a big fan of the Dave Ramsey uh, podcast, listening to him to, talk, uh, listening to him talk to people and uh, changing their lives and changing their family trees. And uh, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. love reading his books and, and enjoy listening to his podcast. I do love the word debt free screams from uh, from the Dave Ramsey. Oh, show. yeah. Those are awesome. Our last question in the three and out, and then we're going to conclude the interview is they're making a movie about your life. Who plays you? Man, that's such a great question. So I'm going to say based upon just a little bit of the twang and the accent and just how good he makes those Lincoln car commercials, you know, look, I'd have to go with Matthew McConaughey. Mm. I respect him. Uh, you know, at one point, I believe people magazine had voted him uh, sexiest man alive. So I feel like that's fitting as well. Uh, and so I, I think that if we went with Matthew McConaughey, I think he'd do it some justice. I'm pretty sure uh, America would not be upset with that choice. That's right. There you go, man. Tress, we truly appreciate your time. Uh, we're so thankful for you to just share what God has done in your life. And again, our hope is that student-athletes and coaches hear the impact that he's had, just the tools and the tips that uh, 
you've used to help guide you through your journey, both high times and low times and uh, the good and the bad and just how you've been able to just cling to him uh, in, in all of that. And so hopefully there's a student athlete out there or a coach out there that, that hears that and can say, man, that that's kind of my story. That's my journey and can use it to help just draw them closer to the Lord because that ultimately that's what this podcast is about. It's not about making anybody else's name famous here but Jesus's. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, man. I'm honored. Thank you, Tress, for coming on with us. You know, there's a number of Redskin fans here in South uh, Pennsylvania, I guess South Central Pennsylvania. I had lunch with a couple of them yesterday, and uh, I can tell them now. I said, well, I got a friend on the Redskins uh, team, so uh, it's really good having you There you, you go. On. Absolutely. There you go, man. I'll tell you, it was really good having you on, and I uh, uh, wish you nothing but God's best for you and your family. Thank you guys very much, man. I'm honored. Really appreciate it. Hey, real quick, if I can just get you to do one more thing while you're on here. I, I don't know if I told yeah. Coach this, but I heard talking about friends and, and saying he has a friend on the Washington Redskins. I heard, uh, tell, tell Coach about the story your first year when you went to read to the elementary kids and you saw a Redskins number five jersey. Yeah, I saw a, I saw a Redskins number five jersey. I'm sitting there, I'm reading to kids and I just thought, wow, man, this is it. Like, I've played one game in the NFL, and there's already a kid sitting here wearing a Redskins 5 jersey, and I went up to him all excited and said, hey, bud, how you doing? And he just kind of gave me a you know, real laid back, like, hey, hi, like really not knowing what's going on. He turned around to walk off. It was Donovan McNabb jersey. And I'm thinking, oh, who the – I'm like, who the heck do I think I am? Oh, I'm a rookie man. punter that just played my first game. And, you know, so I little little slice of humble pie real quick, but uh, definitely worked for the better. Oh, man, that's terrific. Usually it's your wife who keeps you grounded, but uh, it's great. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that in my own life, you know, but, oh, that's so good. That is so good. Well, there'll be one day, you know, you'll look up here in the stands and people will be wearing that number five. Uh, you're doing a terrific, That's right, absolutely. Absolutely. You're doing a terrific job, and you're constantly taking, you know, unclaimed territory when you punt the football. It's unclaimed, and uh, you put that thing inside the 10-5 yard line on a consistent basis. That's that's all that yardage that you never see, no one ever talks about, but it makes, a, dif- right. it makes a difference in the game. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Tress, we appreciate it. Enjoy the offseason, and we look forward to following you next year. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Again, we'd like to thank Tress for taking the time to just kind of share his testimony with us. We really appreciated that, and hopefully you guys did as well. And now one of my favorite segments is uh, Coach's Corner. Coach, are you ready to take us into Coach's Corner? Wow, that was a great interview with uh, Tress. Uh, really uh, excited uh, for him and what God's going to do uh, through him as an NFL player. Yes, I'm excited about maybe sharing maybe a couple of thoughts today, maybe one or two thoughts that we can embrace, apply to our life. You know, I was thinking in terms of my own testimony that I shared uh, a little bit uh, yesterday, last week, last month, whenever people were listening to it, and I trust that what I'm about to say will benefit others. You know, being around the, in the world of athletics and being around a lot of athletes over the years uh, from the, at the college level as well as at the professional level, You know, anxiety and insecurity are crippling emotions. In fact, the Greek word for anxiety is translated half-minded. In other words, half of your thoughts are focused on yesterday, and the other half is focused on not yet. So the enemy of our soul never allows us to enjoy or prosper in the now. We are either held captive by what happened yesterday, last month, last year, or we are fearful of what the future holds, focused most of the time on our failure or what we perceive to be our inadequacies. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That was in the Gospel of John in chapter 8 and verse 32. You know, again, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I was studying that scripture uh, one time. I come to find that it's not the truth. See, truth doesn't make you free, but it's the truth you know that sets you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. That word know there is translated 
experimentally. In other words, it's the truth you experience that sets you free. So it's the truth that you embrace. It's the truth you apply to your life and act on that sets you free. In the book of Philippians, you know, Paul's letter to the church, in Philippians 4, Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. You see, this is not a suggestion. What Paul is is doing here is giving us an instruction. And see, the choice then comes down to you and I, whether we're going to act on that instruction or we're not. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And it's interesting, that word prayer there is translated to adore or to worship, right? And, and, and then he says, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. You see, as we do that, if we take that word from God and, and we actually apply it to our life and refuse to be anxious, he says, if we'll do that, be grateful for where you are and for where you are in your station of life. And then God says, as a result of you being obedient to what he says, he says, the peace of God, see, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard and keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, it's, it's an instruction. Be anxious for nothing. When those thoughts come, when that, that feeling of insecurity comes, our responsibility is to refuse to accept it. See, we can't control the thoughts that come to our mind, but we can control the thoughts we entertain. And as a result of being obedient, uh, being obedient to God, you see, the Bible says then the peace of God. See, this peace will come on you that you can't even understand. And in verse 8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says, let your mind dwell on this. In other words, when that situation occurs in our lives, when we start to feel that anxiety, that insecurity, that fear, we have to determine, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it of a good report? Is, there, is it worthy of praise? The answer to that would be no, see? And Paul says, to do this, he says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. See, these are things we practice, just like an athlete goes to practice every day. When the, when the anxious feeling comes, when that insecurity feeling comes, when fear starts to rise, we say, no, I'm not going to receive that thought, but I'm going to think on what's true, what's honorable. I'm going to practice these things, see? And, and Paul says, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let's do that. Let's begin today to take the word of God, apply it to our life, and allow it then to govern our life. Coach, I absolutely love that. You know, we talked about, excuse me, a lot of the people, uh, listeners to our podcast are going to be athletes and coaches. And, you know, you think of the pressure that an athlete and coach is under, you know, coaches are under the pressure to win at all costs. And uh, athletes are under the pressure of being uh, teenagers or college age students or high school age students and navigating all that comes with that. And then in addition to that, the pressure of being that student athlete. And so I'm so excited for your word. I truly hope it resonates in the heart with our listeners. I know it resonated in my heart and we, we thank you for that coach. Well, it's my pleasure. I look forward to the coach's corner as we do them and I'll try to bring something relevant each time we meet. Thank you, coach. That was perfect. And again, thank you, Tress, for sharing your heart, your love for the Lord and your testimony. I absolutely loved hearing the role FCA played in his journey. 
As I shared in our first podcast, I'm an area representative for Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in York County, Pennsylvania. Tress is just one of hundreds of thousands of student athletes and coaches that FCA has impacted over the years. If you'd like to be a part of that impact and want to see the Lord do even more work through FCA, there are multiple opportunities. One is to be a financial champion of the ministry. If each listener decided to financially champion FCA York County for $5 a month, the kingdom advancing impact would be exponential. Your monthly support will be able to get Bibles into the hands of every student athlete and coach that comes to one of our FCA huddles and provide scholarships for our FCA camps for those families who can, cannot otherwise afford it. Those are just a few ways your financial support will, would help. I have said it before and I'll say it again. I know everyone can download the Bible app on their phone, but there's something intimate about turning the pages and holding the Bible that no app can replicate. The link to partner with us here in York County and what we're doing will be in the show notes, but it's my.fca.org backslash Mike Rubin, M-I-K-E-R-U-B-I-N. And if this was your first time hearing about FCA and you want to know more about it, just go to FCA.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to share February's guest with you shortly. If you like this podcast and want to subscribe to it so you don't miss an episode, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Coach, you want to sign us off? Hey, everybody. Make it a great day. God bless. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusofLexington.com.